Welcome to This Year and Beyond, the unofficial AmeriCorps podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Klein. Hey, everyone. In today's episode, I chat with Christy Raleigh, who served two years with City Year, one in Boston and one in Tulsa, and currently serves on the alumni board for City Year San Jose. So if you're a City Year alum listening to the podcast for the first time, I want to say welcome. And hey, it's you. You're here. That's great. You can't have a podcast where you interview someone from City Year and not start off with a power greeting, right? Anyway, I've had some family in town visiting this week, which has been good and stressful and exhausting. So I'm going to be lazy with this intro and just give you all a quick rundown of ways you can help get involved with the podcast. One thing you could do is send me an email with what you want to hear in future episodes, feedback, whatever. You can reach me through my website, thisyearandbeyond.com, or directly uh, at thisyearandbeyond at gmail.com. You can also follow This Year and Beyond on Twitter and Instagram. I'm still kind of figuring out those platforms, so wish me luck with that. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. I always see other podcasters saying that, so I'm assuming that's a good thing. Uh, but if you do one thing, and I mentioned this in the last episode— Go on the Facebook page and make a post and tag a fellow AmeriCorps alum and thank them for their hard work and service. A little thank you can go a long way. I would love for this podcast to be a place where we can reconnect and continue to support each other in our lives after AmeriCorps. All right, well, that's it for me. Let's get into my chat with Christy. My name is Christy. I served with City Year Boston in 2012-2013, and then I moved to Tulsa and served with City Year Tulsa's startup year, so uh, unofficial, not a real year kind of deal, um, from 2013 to 14. Nice. Well, thank you for taking some time today and being on this weirdo AmeriCorps podcast that I'm trying out. No, I'm excited. Uh, yes. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, let's start at the beginning then. Um, take me back to when you made the decision to first uh, serve. Like, what what was going through your mind? What made you decide that you wanted to to do a year of service? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it was kind of kind of random, actually. Um, I was finishing up college. I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I had a major in psychology. Um, and one thing that was kind of unique about my school is there was an experiential requirement. Um, in getting my degree. So I had to volunteer in a couple different places, including a nursing home, an elementary school, and a, a high school for high-risk youth, mostly like, you know, a lot of like teen pregnancies, if they had like chronic illnesses, just anything that kind of kept them from going to school regularly. Um, and so I was looking for something kind of similar to that. And I think I found at a job fair or something like that, um, I spoke with an alum who kind of changed my life a little bit. He had done a year or two of city year. He was also an alum from my college. Um, and he was just so positive about his experience with city year that it was actually kind of the only thing I applied to. Cause I wasn't, I was still trying to figure out things uh, for when I graduated. Um, and I got to, I got into city year and I was incredibly delighted. I think I was probably like the last admission date too. It was all very last minute. Um, but I didn't really know a lot about it other than he had apparently loved his experience. So uh, thanks to him, I did city year for two years. <laughs> That's a, I, I have such a similar story. I d didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I graduated college, and while I was applying for things before graduation, I had a friend that was doing AmeriCorps, and it kept popping up on different searches I was doing for jobs, and I'm like, what? what is this? Uh, yeah. And he was serving at the NCCC campus in Denver. He's like, you should totally do it. And then that was the only thing I applied for, too. 
<laughs> we're very committed. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, so I actually, I come from three generations that have all served in the Marines before me. So my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. Um, I definitely was kind of drawn to some kind of service. I was actually originally thinking about going into to some branch of the military, but um, didn't really think that would be the best fit for me either. Um, and so it was really kind of, uh, I guess, validating or exciting. I don't know what the right word is. Um, but to find something that is kind of similar, that is serving in the U.S., that is, you know, helping make this country a better place, um, you know, but it kind of fits along with my skill set a little better, too. Yeah. What did your family think of, you know, coming from all those lines of military service that you decided to do a year of domestic service? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think they were more, I think City Year is a little bit different than in a lot of the other AmeriCorps programs. Um, so to them, I think I've just always been a teacher, which is definitely not accurate, but you know, close enough. Um, and so I think they, they kind of get it, but it is a little bit different. Um, but overall, I think it's a, um, it's something that resonates with a lot of members of my family and I think is important to all of us in very different ways. So, um, it's exciting to kind of be able to give back, um, in that way. What were you expecting going into your first term of service um, about the community you were going to serve, about the program, like what you were doing? Like, what was your expectations going in? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like did some did my homework beforehand. I looked up, you know, what kinds of populations I'd be working with, um, primarily African-American, a little bit of uh, Latino or Hispanic. Um, I was surprised to find as many Cape Verdean students. That was really interesting and exciting. I was I honestly never heard of. Uh, Cape Verde before or knew where it was um, and then uh, I don't know I was, I was pretty open-minded I wasn't even though I like I'd met an alum who was very excited by City Year I wasn't really sure what City Year was other than than working in a school <laughs> um, so it's definitely a lot to learn about the service itself um, luckily there's you know two weeks of training beforehand so definitely kind of understanding what interventions are and um, what the ABCs are, and not like the actual ABCs, but um, City Year focuses on like the attendance behavior and, and coursework, so the ABC, um, and just how City Year actually functions in the schools that we served. So yeah, what, what was training like? Did what they do to prepare you for for your year? Yeah, I mean, definitely different than what I've heard about in Triple C. Um, uh, <laughs> we all kind of don't believe any of the rumors you heard. <laughs> Heard all kinds of things. A lot of friends. <laughs> um, so it, we all kind of sit in this room. They, you know, try to break us up, keep it interesting, keep us moving through the day, so we don't kind of fall asleep. Um, you know, that does definitely does happen. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's about a week, two weeks or so of just like a lot of lectures, a lot of group activities. As an introverted person, I found a little like exhausting to be around people that much. Um, of course, being in schools was like a whole another level because um, you're around like students the entire time. Um, it's a really great chance to meet other people that are serving. You're in these like temporary teams during that time. So they kind of see how team dynamic works. Um, and then at the end of that um, summer leadership Academy or SLA, then they announce the actual teams, which are kind of similar actually. So it seems like they're kind of testing out, um, you know, how these groups will work together before they kind of finalize them, which is kind of, which is nice. Um, definitely want to have a positive team dynamic for the rest of your year. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of, a lot of learning <laughs> and then a lot of culture too. Um, City Year has a really strong culture. I think we talked about that before. Um, that's uh, very unique to City Year that can kind of drown out like AmeriCorps culture and that kind of thing. But it's definitely a really special part about the organization. Um, and so that's kind of their chance to get you really like uh, seeped in with the culture before they release you out into the schools. 
Yeah, I've I've seen the city culture seep into different events where there's a bunch of AmeriCorps folks around. I've been to like the swearing in ceremonies at the Capitol building here in Denver, and it's like a bunch of people milling around, and then a whole group of red coated, boot wearing people just yelling chants. And it's like, what is happening over there? <laughs> I didn't talk about that when I signed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was definitely a surprise. Um, so, what was it? What was it like your first day? Once students came in, did you feel like you were prepared for you know the 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 chaos of a new school year? That was actually kind of a relief after all the trainings. I feel like I you know I'd worked in schools before. I'd been around that before, so for me that was kind of more familiar than um, just meeting you know, a couple hundred other people that were also serving. Um, so it was nice to, to kind of be back in like a, a little more familiar environment. Um, and it was exciting meeting my team too, um, just because I, uh, love my team. They're wonderful. They're really silly, um, which is really different from me. Um, but it was really exciting, um, getting to know them and, um, just like, you know, all like the random things, like singing a lot of songs in the team room. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just meeting meeting the school. Were you able to pick what school you got to be placed into? How how that process work? No, not at all. Um, I wish. Um, so because I'd worked in a high school before, I really wanted to do a high school again, uh, which I think uh, a lot of us in the core did, um, which didn't really match uh, the actual situation. I think we only had one high school out of twenty something, so the odds were definitely not in our favor. Um, and so I was placed in a K through eight, which was again a little younger than I was kind of hoping for, but um, definitely learned to love it, learned to, to to work with the school. I think when we applied, we had the the, um, the ability to to select our preference that it was high school. Um, for me personally, I know some people you know, preferred other other years too, which is fine. Um, but that definitely didn't pan out, which is something I do think you know I uh, enjoyed the experience, but I wish there had been a little more transparency as far as like what your chances of being placed in a school you're hoping for actually looks like. Um, but, you know, I can also understand, like, the, these are the schools that are available. Yeah, what, what was the school like that you you served in? Um, pretty big. So it was actually, um, the name of the school is Orchard Gardens K-8, um, and they had just recently won a grant through, um, through the federal government that gave them the ability to have uh, basically some amazing arts programming for their students. So all of our students had dance, they had art, they had theater, um, which, you know, especially after you've heard about, you know, all the schools cutting the arts program for finance reasons. Um, it was really exciting to be in a school where that creativity was embraced and how they were able to um, basically bring their arts programs and like their math programs together. So they would do um, uh, self-portraits that used like a coordinate grid system that would kind of teach like graphing along the way. Um, and it was really nice to see those kinds of things working hand in hand and really leveraging students' different types of intelligence. Um, it was also definitely led some of my happiest memories from the school. So they would do, uh, I think it was two, two art shows. I'm pretty sure we had two art shows um, a year where they would just transform the entire first floor into this amazing art gallery. That way pa- uh, families could come in. They could see what their students were working on. The students could you know, talk about um, the things they learned. They could meet the teachers. And so my team, um, you know, to, to support the school in that, we stayed late, I think, for like a week leading up to the art shows. Um, I think we were in that school until like 10 o'clock at night or so, just like stapling and taping, and um, putting up as much art as we possibly could. Um, we had it hanging from the roofs. We had like this like giant installation in like the main lobby as you come in. 
um, that the, the art teachers had put together. Um, and it was really beautiful and made the school feel like a really exciting and fun place to be. I'm, I'm just picturing you and a team of AmeriCorps people just staying up super late, doing all this stuff, going going just mad. Like when you stay up really late and working on things, just all the chaos comes out. Yes, for sure. We reached like the like delirious point of exhaustion um, and we're on like a, a pizza high as well. It was, it was great. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. It was really fun. <laughs> So what were the what were the students like that you got to interact with and, and work closely with? Yeah, um, so I had a really fun year with students. I um, worked with a seventh grade classroom. So um, seventh grade is really a, an interesting, you know, they're in like that like awkward puberty. All the girls are taller than the boys kind of deal. Um, the girls are definitely much more mature too, which was kind of um, so they had some really strong personalities. They're definitely the leaders uh, in their grade, which was um, kind of nice to see to see them grow and try to sort of guide that in a way that felt positive um I think with middle school you can always run into you know issues with like bullying and that kind of thing um which I think um both core members and our teachers as well um were really aware of and just trying to kind of keep an eye on that too which uh can be can be a challenge um but overall the kids were were wonderful they were silly they um they just had so much energy which was which was great um, and it was also nice the school was able to kind of channel that towards the arts and the dance um, because <laughs> it definitely helped them with kind of like focusing during the class time too. Um, yeah, <laughs> there were some really, some really fun students. <laughs> the, what, do you th- what would you say was the biggest challenge you faced in completing your term, if, if any? Yeah, um, my first, I mean, so my first term, my second term were very different. Um, I came back and did a, a team leader um, position for my second term. Um, but the first, I would say the, the challenge I had my first term, um, the biggest one was my teacher dynamic. Um, I think we were kind of, were expecting each other to, to sort of bridge that gap. We kind of like sat there and waited on each other a little bit. Um, and so we definitely had a bit of a distance, which I think is really challenging when you're working with a teacher. Um, I think I worked with her probably four or five hours a day. Um, and we were all kind of like, we were both, um, the best word I don't know we just like didn't get to know each other as quickly as maybe would have helped to sort of keep us on the same page um you know I don't think that's either of our faults necessarily um but it was definitely sort of challenging to kind of like break off into our own sort of groups into our own little thing um yeah (laughs) so that was definitely definitely uh, a challenge I think having a really good teacher dynamic is really important um when when doing a city year Despite all that, you just you did a second year as a leader. What made you decide to to do a second year of service? Um, that's a good question. I don't truly understand that either, to be honest. Um, I think like day one or day two, like during orientation, um, I think people were just like so incredibly like, friendly and welcoming and like like obviously really passionate about the work that I think I decided like honestly day one or day two that I wanted to do a second year. Um, and then just like, didn't question that decision at all. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really bizarre. <laughs> um, so I originally applied to do a second year in Boston, which I actually did not get. I just interviewed it really poorly. Um, and it was, it was a, a rough process. Um, and so through actually the, um, the alum who had originally connected me to city year, I sort of maintained a connection with him. Um, he mentioned that I should apply for a startup year. Um, and I had the option of two sites, either Las Vegas or Tulsa. 
Um, and then through kind of the grapevine, I heard that Vegas wasn't really happening. Apparently Vegas, you know, who knew? Who knew? Casinos are not very philanthropic. Um, shocker. <laughs> so I was able to actually switch to Tulsa, um, which I'll be honest, I didn't really know where Tulsa was. It's in Oklahoma. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you were just like city or check um, place, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to like ask my team. <laughs> Uh, you idiot, it's, it's in Oklahoma, why are you going there? Um, I love them. Um, so, <laughs> to Tulsa, again, definitely shows that uh, having connections and networking is important because otherwise I probably wouldn't have done been able to do a second year. Um, I just like talked to my friend and was like, hey, like I've heard some rumors. And he was like, yeah, like, let me see if I can get you switched over. And like within a day I was switched. Honestly, I don't know what happened to the Vegas team. Um, I feel really bad for them. But um, I went to Tulsa, so it was great. <laughs> Tell me what a startup year is and, and kind of what your role in, in that was being a core member. So startup year is basically when city year is, um, for lack of a better word, like testing out a city. Um, and then based on how the startup year does, they have a board of directors or I, think it's board, I don't really know the, like the language um, that votes on whether or not to make that site a reality. So um sort of based on performance. There's definitely some pressure, you know, to do well. Otherwise, City of Tulsa wouldn't exist. Um, so we, uh, it was really motivating, I think, through the year to, to sort of have that as our goal for City of Tulsa to be accepted. Um, and then after that startup year, assuming it goes well, which for us, luckily it did, then they'll have a founding year. Um, but we were very small. We had two teams. So it was uh, myself as a team leader and one other team, you know, with their team leader, um, and then we each had um, a small team of core members. I think mine was a little bit bigger with 12 core members, depending on how you count. Um, and the other one was around seven. So um, it was definitely a challenge having such a big team and you know, having you know, no experience being a, being a, a team leader <laughs> or a senior core member. Um, and then also the community, of course, is very different. Um, so because it's Oklahoma, there's a really, really big Latino population. Um, a lot of our students, you know, were either, um, had some, you know, were uh, Latino or a lot of them really were learning English as a second language. And, you know, we had a lot of students who spoke Spanish. Um, we also, of course, like I mentioned before, had a lot of students who were from Cape Verde and so they spoke Cape Verdean Creole, um, which is a, a mix of, I think, you know, um, a little bit of like English or Spanish, but also the native language that was originally spoken there as well. Um, and that is, uh, you know, there are far fewer um, Cape Verdean Creole speakers in here than there are Spanish speakers, unfortunately. Um, so I think in our entire core, we had two people who could speak it. Um, and so, of course, they were, you know, automatically assigned to the schools where that was a need, um, which uh, I think was a little challenging for them. But it was so beneficial to have someone because I think roughly 20 to 30 percent of our school was Cape Verdean. Um, wow. Why, why was that? Why was there such a big population of Cape Verdean students there? Yeah, just the neighborhood, I guess, you know, when people move to a new area, they tend to sort of congregate in areas that are familiar, you know, you want to stay within the same community. Um, but yeah, it was really surprising because it was honestly this country I think most of us had never even heard of. Um, and suddenly we had all these students with an entirely different background um, that we were working with who, you know, at least with Spanish and English, like there's some similarity. Um, there really is a lot of similarity with Cape Verdean Creole and <laughs> uh, English. So it was, and then of course, a lot of these students are, you know, have come to the country within the last couple of years. Um, I don't honestly totally remember what the, the reason was, um, like why there's been suddenly, you know, a, a large amount of immigration from Cape Verde. It's something 
I knew when I was serving and I've honestly forgotten it's been you know almost five years at this point um but yeah it was it was really interesting what what was what was interesting about it um just being in a in a situation I mean I really felt for the students a lot of them like I said had come to the U.S. so recently um so they're definitely still adjusting to the culture a lot of them you know spoke minimal English like had probably come to the U.S. within the last like maybe six months um and you know trying to also do seventh grade homework where they're learning to write essays and all these important skill sets for high school and hopefully college um so one of my parents is also an immigrant um and so it was it was interesting to kind of get that perspective she immigrated when she was a little bit older Um, my mom was 20 23 when she came to the U.S. um but so a lot of her stories that she talked about you know when she got to the U.S. and just like you know, she was like, like she actually, she actually cussed someone out because she like didn't realize that the words she was saying were curse words because like someone kind of like you know screwed with her, um, or like when she met my dad's parents, um, she just like used language that like you wouldn't use in front of your your um, your boyfriend's right. parents um, because just, you know it was normal, um, and so it was it was interesting to see just seeing these kids go through something similar. Did that experience being a first generation? American help you at all um, with connecting with these students? Um, I think so. It was it definitely gave me insight into you know my mom's background. Um, you know, as, as she's the first generation American. I guess I'm second. Um, definitely gave me a lot more sympathy and understanding for where they are coming from. Um, just because you know, I, I I can understand how it's a challenge, and it's so hard to see you know in five years, ten years, twenty years when they've. Um, when they've sort of gotten an understanding of what the U.S. is like and they've learned to speak English, um, it's it's just such a difficult time, I think, to go through, especially as a teenager, too. I just, like, can't imagine doing it. Um, and so, yeah, I think for me it was definitely um, easier to empathize with where they're coming from. So going through, you know, your two-year experience of, of service with City Year, what were some of the big takeaways? What did you learn from it? <laughs> Um, I definitely learned to be more accepting for sure. Um, again, when I was, you know, growing up I'm from a very small town in North Carolina, um, I was the diversity in my school. <laughs> Not, I mean, yes, actually, kind of. Um, it was myself and my best friend. We were both uh, mixed race. And so together we made a whole minority, which was great. Um, and so just meeting other people that had even more different backgrounds, um, being more accepting, being able to work with more diverse people was really uh, an important thing that I learned through my experience. Um, learning to have fun. I'm pretty straightforward. Uh, my team is pretty silly. And so, yes, there was definitely an adjustment there of just like being around that constantly was kind of exhausting, um, but made me a more positive and uh, enjoyable person to be around. So thanks, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think those, those, those two things are probably the biggest thing. <laughs> so what, what were your next steps after you were done with your, your terms of service? So what I did next, was uh, I moved again. Um, so my um, my partner from college uh, was moving to California for school and was like, hey, like, we're still in contact, like, come with me. Um, so we'd like to kind of take a break, you know, through city or like being long distance and everything. So that kind of sucks. Um, so I moved to the Bay Area. Um, I worked for another nonprofit called Build, um, which is a, I finally got to work with high school students. That was, that was great. I was waiting for that through two years of city. <laughs> only took two years it's fine um and that was uh more about like college counseling and career development um and I was there for uh almost two years a little over a year and a half or so 
Um, and then I actually switched to work in tech because you can't live in the Bay Area and not work in tech. Um, but what I do is actually, it's kind of uh, funny how being able to work with students or working with students, I don't know how much ability, to, <laughs> how much ability I have, um, but working with students has kind of continued as a theme. So what I do at my current company is I do what's called user experience research where I interview people that use our products. And the product I work on is a social media app for teenagers. Um, so I interview teenagers, <laughs> um, which is surprising and is not somewhere where I thought I would ever be. Um, but being able to talk to teenagers and just people in general, because it's tech, let's be honest, um, is, uh, is a pretty useful skill set. Um, so it's really exciting to be able to apply all the experiences I've had through City Year and Build and, you know, the, the schools that I volunteered for in high school and college um, and be able to apply that in a way that um, hopefully helps people communicate with each other. So what, um, what do you end up talking to the teenagers about? Yeah, so um, the app that I'm currently working on, it's called Cabana. Uh, it's by Tumblr, actually. Um, but we basically have them like test out the app and give feedback on it. If we have ideas, we'll have them, you know, kind of like review the ideas and let us know like, oh, like this is cool. Like I would use this or like, oh, I don't really understand this or I don't like it. Um, so, uh, just kind of being able to have those kinds of conversations with them and understand how they're using technology currently and how we can make that better, um, is really exciting. What's it been like going from working for AmeriCorps, City Year, nonprofits to, you know, a corporation like for-profit sector? What's what's the transition been like for that? One of my biggest concerns, to be honest, was um, working for a nonprofit. And it was very, like, female-dominated. It was very young. It was almost like working at a sorority, almost. Um, I worked with my friends, and it was wonderful being around that. Um, and then working for a larger corporation, um, suddenly, you know, people are at different age points in their lives. I work with people that have kids, which I didn't work with really before. I had maybe, like, one person in my office that had kids. Um, and so it's, it's a different dynamic. I'm not like best friends with all my coworkers, which is fine. Like I have other friends outside of work. Um, but for me at the company where I am, it's such a positive culture. People are really supportive. We do like group brainstorms. A lot of the norms that I was used to seeing in nonprofit, um, still hold true in my day to day, which is really, really wonderful. Um, we support each other, especially, again, I think tech is also kind of a special, weird little world. Um, we drink together, we hang out, we like, we're just very upfront and supportive of each other, which is really wonderful. Um, but then, of course, there are also the benefits of, of working for a corporation and not being a nonprofit. Um, you make a lot more money. <laughs> there are free snacks, um, especially tech in, in particular, um, has like that techie culture where everything is free. You really don't have to leave campus. Like, unless like, you know, you need to sleep or something, meals are provided, I can get laundry done here, I can work out here. Um, and it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of like taking a bit of a break. It's just really nice. <laughs> um, last week, for example, um, which is maybe like, this is not like not a usual week. But last week on Monday, we went to laser tag, we went to lunch. Um, we, you know, did some work, then we had like another lunch that was like a team lunch. And then we did like a camp day where we went and like played cornhole, um, volleyball, like water balloons. It was just like a like a vacation, basically. Um, and with tech companies, because they are trying to attract a lot of, you know, really good talent, they have to include these perks to attract that kind of talent. And it's really nice to enjoy all those things. 
Oh, that sounds awesome. I think, yeah, in yeah. the nonprofit world, there's, I like to call it like and jobs. Like everyone has an and job where it's like, this is yeah. what you do, but you also do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And For it doesn't sure. leave a whole lot of time or money or effort to like step back and enjoy things or yeah for sure when i i mean i kind of joked to myself like every two years my income has increased by uh like 40 to 60 percent <laughs> because going from city year where you make a stipend you make around like depends on where you are and all kinds of things but around like 12 to eighteen thousand a year um to nonprofit where i was like you know in like the 30s to this where i make like significantly more it's kind of like nice like every two years have like a really big income jump i don't know how long i can sustain that for um but it's it's just it's more comfortable like honestly like I have I have friends who work so hard for the nonprofits they work for they're so dedicated to their students but they're in their 30s and they have roommates and I just I think I looked ahead when I was kind of like contemplating my career options and I just honestly didn't want that I feel like when you're 30 you want a life you want like a partner and a family and I didn't see myself being able to afford that working at a nonprofit, which is really really hard yeah I know from my experience, I worked at a nonprofit for three years and like I like it was the same kind of experience of going. So I was making an AmeriCorps stipend. Then I went to grad school and made a grad school stipend with the job that I had. And then, you know, then I did a team leader year or term with the organization that I ended up getting hired on with. But every every time it was like oh, a little bit more money. This seems like a big deal. But then after working at a place for three years, and kind of understanding there wasn't a whole lot of mobility and the people who were in like the higher leadership roles and had been there for a really long time were not making, you know, the amount of money that either they deserve for the amount of time and effort they put in or were more. Yeah. It's it's partially like the amount people are compensated, which is not nearly enough with people that work in nonprofit and for teachers too. I, you know, North Carolina again, like is what, like 49th in teacher salary in the U S which Mm -hmm. is absolutely horrible. Um, and then there's also, I think, kind of an unhealthy martyr mentality as well, which I was really kind of starting to become aware of, where it's, you know, you're getting promoted based on your seniority rather than the actual effect you're having on the nonprofit. Um, and it's just, it's so hard <laughs> for people. I don't know how they do it for, for decades. Um, oh and so, yeah, you have like senior leadership who are really well-intentioned, but, you know, after doing it for you know, 15 to 20 years, they're exhausted. And I completely understand that. Yeah, I uh, was going to say, and, and another thing that I've noticed is sometimes core members, like this is this is advice that I give to core members out there, is don't sell yourself short, because I feel that there's so many folks out there that do a core member year, and then any paycheck after that seems like so much more money, even if it's way yeah. less than what they should be making for what they do, particularly when they go into the world of nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think people kind of know how much AmeriCorps members are making. They kind of are like, oh, like you'll be happy with like, you know, a small increase because it'll seem huge to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no, I think it is really important to know your own value. That's a really good thing, actually. All right. Well, again, I appreciate your time so much. It was really, really great talking to you. And I'm looking forward to, you know, listening to this interview another 20 times while I edit it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, I'm back. I just wanted to take some time to thank Christy again for being on the podcast, teaching me a bit more about City Year, and sharing what it's like making the leap from the nonprofit world into the world of tech. 
I also want to thank the AmeriCorps alum chapter leaders who took some time to chat with me this past week, and a huge thanks to my friend Kevin for letting me borrow his laptop. Otherwise, this podcast would literally not exist. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.